Hey guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Glad to see everybody. I was gone last week. You guys know that, right? You guys missed me. Did you notice that I wasn't standing up here? That it was Tanner who did an amazing job last week. He's, he's a good preacher. He's got a good message last week about the Bible and just the truth in it. But what I want to do tonight is we're going to kind of start a new series, if you will. And it's been a series that I've wanted to do for, man, probably since the day I was in the junior high room a long, long time ago because I, I have this thing stuck in my head a lot of times where, oh, I, the, the series tonight is going to be called Coffee Cup Theology. And Kylie Brown was nice enough to make us coffee since the theme is coffee tonight. So that's why you guys got coffee. We'll probably have for the next couple of weeks. But Coffee Cup Theology is this. There's a lot of Bible verses out there that are placed on pillowcases, um, picture frames, greeting cards, coffee cups, whatever that is, and there's nothing wrong with that. So hear me right, okay, because I'm not picking at that by any means, but what I want to do tonight is I got a kind of a goal I want to set with you guys for the next couple of weeks. I want you to be able to look at scripture, like on a coffee cup that we'll talk about tonight, one of the scriptures that we're going to pick tonight, but I want you to know what the context is around the scripture on the coffee cup. Does that make sense? Tonight we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Everybody knows that scripture. Christians love to quote that scripture, which there's nothing wrong with. But I'm going to take tonight, and I want you guys to know that when you do use that as a greeting card or as an encouragement to yourself or somebody else, I want you to know the context in which it's being used. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 is going to be a very big deal for us tonight that I want to kind of cover, okay? So the next couple of weeks, we'll be picking out scripture. Here's what I would encourage you guys to do. <clears throat> if you've got a verse that you've always kind of seen on things, like I saw it here and I saw it there and I've always wondered what the context is behind that, let me know. We can cover it in the next couple of weeks. Next week, I'm going to be covering one that's always been on my heart as well. That's a great scripture, another very popular scripture, but I'm going to take it and put it in a context of what everything's going on around it and why we want to make sure that we understand what that scripture means first and foremost, okay? But I want you guys to turn to your tables real quick and discuss a question. Have you ever made a plan that has absolutely went a different direction than what you thought it would go? Here's an example. Rachel and I went to Belize a few years ago. On the way home from Belize, we flew from Belize, we were supposed to land in Dallas, but it didn't go to plan. Because when we were on our way to Dallas, thunderstorms hit. And we're on the airplane and we're flying around in circles above Dallas, around and around and around. And after a while, and it's been a while, the pilot comes on and he says, folks, we're gonna be, we're running low on fuel, so instead of worrying about getting into Dallas, we're gonna land in Houston. We'll fuel up and then we'll try to get back in Dallas again later on. Well, we didn't know how out of fuel we really were. And this is not an exaggeration. We're, I'm sitting by the window, Rachel and I are getting ready to land in Houston, and we're landing, and along the runway, lined up on the edge of the runway, are fire engines and ambulances, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So the plan did not go according to what we wanted it to. Got into Dallas, actually had to spend the night in the airport, and it fell apart. Have you guys ever had that happen, where you've had a plan to do something, and it has not gone according to your plan. Talk about that at your table real quick. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front of the room, let's get into this. What I want to do tonight is I'm going to give you guys a little bit of review on what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in youth group, what we've been doing. But first, I don't know if, there's, if you guys realize this or not, but we have a new mother in the room tonight. We have a new mom in the room, and I want to bring this up because Priscilla and Garrett had a little baby 
Congratulations. And his name is Joshua, which I thought was really cool because that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks in youth group. So remember what we've been talking about with Joshua. The Israelites crossed over the promised land, going to the promised land, supposed to be a light in the promised land, conquering the enemy, taking land. They fell apart. They had good times. They had bad times. The only time they had a bad time, though, was when what? When they didn't obey God. Remember the last time with the Gibeonites where they did not consult God, they did not talk to God, they did not consider God and what they were doing in their decisions? They made a decision, and we talked about the process in which we make decisions to consult God while we're doing that, right? So the Israelites crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land. They're supposed to be, this was around 1460 B.C., okay? 1400, 1400 B.C., they crossed the Jordan, okay? They're going into the promised land to be a light in the promised land, not to conform to pagan ways, but actually have pagans be transformed because of the way they are as a light into the community. So in other words, it would look like this. God sends you into the high schools to be a light as a Christian. It's up to us not to be conformed by the patterns of the world as far as Romans 12 says, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, renewing our mind, consulting God, prayer, youth groups, church, those kind of things. We renew ourselves that way so we can keep being a light in the midst of a pagan situation, a fallen world, which we'll talk about a little bit more, which is high school and the world that we live in, right? So, but the Israelites didn't do that. As a community, and that's the big thing I want you guys to get tonight, this scripture that we're gonna be looking at was written to a community, the Israelites. In the Old Testament, you, don't see the, you do not see the prophets start to call out, call out individuals until the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was the one that would call out individually a believer, but till then, Jeremiah tonight that we're talking about called out the community of Israel is what we're talking about, not an individual, okay? But they were supposed to be the light, but they didn't do that. They fell into pagan worship. They had false idols. And God finally, watch this now, around 500, about 600 BC, so 1400 that crossed over into the promised land, BC, around 600 BC is the first trip where Nebuchadnezzar goes into Jerusalem and takes captives back with him to Babylon. That's the first time, okay? That's when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys all got snatched up at that time and taken back. That's about 604 BC. And God is all this time, think about this, almost, almost a thousand years, God has been doing this, warning the Israelites, knock it off. You're supposed to be a light. You're not supposed to conform to the patterns of the world. You're supposed to transform them by being a light in a very dark situation in the promised land. But the Israelites would not listen. Everybody look at me. I want that to land on everybody in this room tonight. God, for almost a thousand years, warned Israel, Judah, southern kingdom, Here's what's gonna happen if you don't turn your ways. If you change your ways, you won't experience this, but if you don't change your ways, the prophets came, the prophet was a person who heard from God and told the people what God said, okay? God kept sending prophet after prophet after prophet for a thousand years, telling these guys, I love you, but if you don't knock it off, I've had enough. If you don't knock it off, you're gonna get punished. Ever had your parents tell you that? If you don't knock it off, trouble's coming. And tonight, I want you guys to know, if you're sitting in your chair tonight in this room and you think to yourself, God's been talking to me about some stuff and I've been very 
disobedient to him, he is a good father and he will discipline you. And that's what we're gonna see tonight, but he disciplines you because he loves you. He chastens you to correct you. So he disciplines you for correction. That as a parent, that's a great way to be a parent in my opinion. But for almost a thousand years, he kept sending prophets, telling these guys, turn, turn, knock it off. Otherwise you're gonna be exiled. And they kept thinking, that'll never happen. Because God's been watching out for us. Yeah, I know. We never stopped. Listen, here's a key thing about all the Israelites too. They never stopped being Israelites. They never said, we don't believe in Yahweh. Jehovah's not our God. They never said that. What they were is someone who is a Christian who likes to play in both worlds. I'm a Christian, but I have worldly behavior. I'm an Israelite, but I have pagan behavior. They never stopped confessing God. They just added in all the worldly stuff into their walk. Now watch. This is key, I think. The community idea, you, if you will, okay? As a youth group goes normally, and I look around the room tonight and I don't know that that's true in here or not. God will tell you if it is. As a youth group, as a whole, you guys are usually pretty good. But every once in a while, you have a few kids in youth group that will be in here on a Wednesday, but are misbehaving. But because of that, all of you will be punished by God. That's what's going on here with the Israelites. Not all Israelites were bad. Not all the Israelites that were taken captive were rotten Israelites. There was a remnant there that were following God, but because the group was being disobedient, the group was being punished. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? You following me so far? So as a group, the Israelites were gonna be punished, and this is where we're picking up. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, God's had enough. And God is telling him all throughout the book of Jeremiah, the context is, listen, I saved you out of Egypt, you crossed the Red Sea, you crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, conquered Jericho, all these different things for thousands of years, and you keep being disobedient in this way. You have false idols. You have worldly things that you're hanging on to, trusting those worldly things the way you should be trusting me. And God says, I've had it. He's been warning them that they're gonna, there's gonna be a king, Babylon's gonna come, they're gonna be exiled, and they didn't believe him, but it happened. The final one was around 587, 586 BC. Almost a thousand years. Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem and he kidnaps, takes captive Jerusalem. Not all of them, there's still some in Jerusalem, but a large portion got taken to Babylon, captive as slaves. You follow me so far? That's the context in which Jeremiah's book is being written. And Jeremiah also within this, there's a couple of other things that are going on and I'll read the scripture in just a second. There's a lot of false prophets in this story as well. It's called, chapter 29 is a letter to the exiles. Jeremiah's in Jerusalem. There's exiled Israelites in Babylon, a thousand miles away, they've been taken captive. Jeremiah, on God's behalf, takes and writes a letter to the Israelites that are taken captive in Babylon. That's the story, that's the context of Jeremiah 29. And within that story, there's a lot of people in, there's other, I shouldn't say a lot, there's a few other prophets that are named that are living in Babylon with the exiled Israelites. And they're telling them, oh, it's only gonna be a couple years. Two years tops, we'll be out of here. So don't get comfortable, don't rest, just be ready, because it's, and the false prophets are not hearing from God. 
But they're telling the Israelites, they're ticking, tickling the Israelites' ears. What would you rather hear? I'm going to be here for 70 years or a couple years? You'd want to hear a couple years and you're back home, right? God's going to punish you for a couple years, but he's going to bring you back after about two. Jeremiah writes a letter to the Israelites in, who are in captivity in Babylon. That's not true. That is not what God says. Here's what God says. And you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and I want to read the verse real quick, and a lot of you know this verse already. It says, this is God talking to the people who were exiled in Babylon, who had been taken slave a thousand miles away from their home, and God's finally had it, and he's punishing them by letting Nebuchadnezzar take them captive. And God writes in Jeremiah 29, 11, which we all know, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That would be very encouraging, wouldn't it? I would like that if I was cap taken captive, that I know God's still in control. But what I want to do tonight is I'm going to read before and after. I like to use this thing called the 20-20 rule when I read the Bible. 20 verses before and 20 verses after puts the verse into context. We won't read 20 tonight, but we're gonna read a good portion of them if you guys will get your bulletin out and follow along. Jeremiah 29, I'm gonna read verses four through 14 tonight, okay? <clears throat> but before I do that, this letter, again, is written by Jeremiah, who is in Jerusalem. He's writing a letter to the captives, Israelites in Babylon. And he says, this is, verse four says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those who I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Look at me. God did this to his own people that he loves because of their disobedience. I really want you guys to hear this tonight. If you're going to be disobedient to God, you will suffer the consequences. I, God promises it's gonna happen. So it's up to you. Like I said last time we talked, the best weapon the Israelites had was obey, to obey God. Obedience is the best weapon we have as Christians, is just listen to God. So this is what the Lord, of, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Remember what the false idols are telling them. A couple years you'll be out. Here's what God says. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give them, give them daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, therefore, or increase in number there, where's their Babylon. Do not decrease. So watch. What's God telling these guys? In a nutshell, get comfortable. You're gonna be there a while. When I was a kid, my dad used to send us to our room all the time when we'd get in trouble. Go to your room. And it would be forever for him to come in and spank us on our hind end for being brats. And I'd come to find out, you know what he was doing? finishing his television show. I didn't know that. They didn't have DVR in that day. My dad had sent us, we'd be sitting there just waiting for dad to come in, waiting for the punishment to happen. Get it over with so we can get back to what we're doing, right? He's telling the Israelites, it's not gonna be a couple years. Get comfortable. You're gonna be there a while. Increase, get married, grow crops, be part of the community. And then he goes on in verse seven to say, this is another interesting verse. Now remember what the verse 29:11 says as I'm reading this. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. God's reminding them he's allowing them to go through this. And he tells them to, 
Seek peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, that being Babylon, you too will prosper. Yes, this is Jeremiah's letter to the Israelites. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams and the and and. Do not listen to their dreams. You're, you encourage them. They're encouraging you to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Jeremiah keeps reminding them. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill, listen, my good promise and bring you back to this place. How'd you like to have that message? 70 years you're gonna be there. And I will tell you, and I don't have time to get into it tonight, 70 years later, this promise was fulfilled and they did get to go back to Jerusalem. The Israelites did. So God's promise was fulfilled and I will bring you back to this place. This is where we see the scripture now. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Pause there for just a second. What's, a, what's the word that keeps playing over and over in that scripture? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Here's what Christians do wrong with this verse. This verse was not written to you. It was not, it, there's nothing wrong with having this verse in your life, but the you is the community he's talking to. A lot of Christians try to make this verse about a personal, like, I know the plans I have for you, Dan. No, this is a community that he's talking to. That's where it's really, it's really key for us to understand this as Christians. As a Christian community, we live a certain way in the land. Individually, yes, but as a group. So when you read this, I want you to see you is plural. It's not, it's not singular here. It is you means you Israelites. I'm talking to all of you because Jeremiah sends it to the priests, which is read to the people. I got plans for you. You see this? Look at me. God says, I've got plans for you. Each one of you, God's got plans for, but as a community, here's how I want you to live. Does that make sense to you guys? And then it goes on to say, in verse 12, then, then when I bring you back to, Israel, to Jerusalem, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all of the nations, places I have banished you to, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. So when you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, there's nothing wrong with us using that verse if we keep it in the context. Because when you look at this, I think there's lessons to be learned. But that idea of you is not an individual, you guys. It is the community that he's talking to. If we keep the letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles, we have to keep it in context because the reason they're getting this letter written to them is because God is still telling them, I've got you. I'm still in control. I have not forgotten about you as Christians. I have not forgotten you as Israelites go. Israel was God's chosen people, you guys but they were being disobedient brats. 
And when we're disobedient brats, we're going to be punished. And I think we see this unfolding in our own nation. When we were going through COVID, <clears throat> this, this really helped me a lot as a Christian. And it wasn't Jeremiah 29, 11 that helped me so much. It was Jeremiah 29, four through about nine, where he told me how to live in an exiled land. Because here's what I wanna do, I'm gonna shift now to us. So in the context of what we're talking about with Jeremiah 29, I hope you guys have got your idea of what is going on within this story. I know this is kind of dragging it out. I'm gonna transition to us today now, how we use this scripture. But I want you guys to realize when you read that on a coffee mug, for I know the plans I have for you, you gotta remember, it is, there's nothing wrong with personalizing that because God does have good for you. But you gotta also remember, and this is where the encouragement comes from, you have to also remember where the Israelites were at when God wrote this to them. So when I feel like I'm outcast and I'm exiled and things aren't going right, and I don't know what to do, but I think, well, God has good plans for me. There's nothing wrong with that. And when I put it back into the context, it's even more encouraging to me because of who God wrote it to and what they were going through. When I'm going through the hardest times in my life, I want to know God's still there. I want to know God is still good and he's got good plans for me. And if I walk with him, it'll work out better for me. It's never gonna be perfect. We live in a fallen world, which I'll talk about in just a second. But I want you guys to realize when I read Jeremiah 29, 11, I look at where, who he's writing it to, where they're at, why they are there where they're at, and I ask myself, Am I here because I've been a disobedient brat to God? Or is this just something God's allowing me to go through? And when I go through it, the best part about God, in my opinion, and this is me, I'm grateful God doesn't fix everything I go through. I am. What kind of faith would I have if he did? I wouldn't need faith, would I? I'm grateful that God promises to go through everything with me. No matter what it is, he's there with me. And when I remember Jeremiah 29, 11, that's what I remember, is I remember that it is written to Christians. It's written to God's chosen people. It's written to Israelites, but Christians as a group can take this on. When we went through COVID, like I talked about, I really struggled with, I, I am, I didn't like losing the liberties we like. I didn't like being forced to wear masks and isolate and not have youth group and not have church. I hated that. I didn't like having somebody else tell me that you're living this way from now on. That's where the Israelites were with Nebuchadnezzar, who was an absolutely evil king. And they had to be, think, think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It had to be horrible for them to live in this land. But how encouraging it is it as a Christian when we go through hard times in a fallen world to know God's here to know God's got my back, to know God's still in control and that he loves me and I can look at myself and have I been disobedient? No, I'm just going through stuff but I know God's there with me. To me, that means more than anything, you guys. And when I look at Jeremiah 29, 11, that's what I get out of it. You, a part of a movement, the Christian group, to look at this from a group and then I can, I can narrow it down to an individual conversation between God and I at that point. I wanna give you guys some lessons from the letter real quick, okay? The lessons from the letter that was written to the exiled Israelites who were exiled in Babylon, I think, meets us today in a very unique way. Here's why. Philippians 3.20 says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. 
and we are eagerly awaiting him to return as our savior. Let me paraphrase, you're exiles. You're no different than the Israelites in a way because we've been, because of sin, because of disobedience, we live in a fallen world. Look at me, this is not your home. So when you get a sense that I don't belong here as a Christian, you don't. This is not our home. We're no different than the Israelites in Babylon thinking, how in the world? Remember, not all of them did something bad. But as a group, God had them taken captive. And as a group, we watch Christians in America be stupid. I, I wonder about people's Christianity sometimes. I really do. But as Christians go, because not heads are out there, we get a bad rap, yes? Make sense? We're exiled in a fallen world. This is not our home. We do not belong here. But in the meantime, what do we do? How do we live? How can we be a light in a fallen world and not, and not conform, but yet be transformed? I think a couple of things I'm gonna go through quickly and I'll turn you over to your groups. The first thing is be obedient and do what God tells you to do. Man, you guys... I know I beat this drum constantly, but I want to do this with you guys. Obey God. When you call me, you talk to me, you ask for advice from your leaders or from me, the one thing, we're more than happy to give you guys advice. We'll walk alongside you guys with whatever you're going through, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to God because we're not always there, but God is. And if you listen to him, it'll go a lot better. So the first thing in this fallen world, when we are exiled and we don't know what to do, listen to God, because he's got good for you. He's got good for you. How do we know that? Are all of us going to heaven as Christians? Yeah. That's good news. Pray for those who persecute you. In verse seven, when he says to pray for the city, I'm like, dude, we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not a big fan of our president today. And notice I said our president because he's my president too, because I'm an American. But it's up to me to pray for him. Have you ever thought about people that you just don't like and you struggle with? Pray for them. How do we know that? Because that's what we're supposed to do, living as exiles in a fallen world. Pray for those that persecute you. Jesus says it plain out. Pray, when you're persecuted, pray for them. And remember, when you pray for people, sometimes your circumstance and situation doesn't change, but God changes your heart and helps you live with what you're going through. 1 Timothy 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says this. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, thanksgiving be made for who? All people. Who? For the kings that, and all those in authority that, you may, that we may live, who's he talking to? Christians, who this is not their home in a fallen world, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleasing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Why should I, look at me, why should I live this way? Because people will come to know Christ if I do. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you when someone asks. If we live as a light in a fallen world, people are going to come to know Christ because of it. That's what we're supposed to do as exiled people in a fallen world. So make sure you pray for those who persecute you. When I was in Cabo last week, that's why I wasn't here. I was in Cabo on vacation with my wife. There's a lot of poverty down there. 
And I thought, okay, if I'm, in, if I'm in Cabo and I'm in a little bitty, just a tin hut, if you will, and I read this, for I know that God, the plan, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Really? I could be looking around thinking, really? This is your plan? His plan is to love me, be there with me, keep my relationship with him, that I make it to heaven. That's God's plan for me. Trust God's, oh, beware of false teachers. There's a lot of false teaching in the world. I don't have time to get into that tonight. Do what Timothy, what Paul told Timothy. Pay attention to the doctrine in which you learned at church and youth group. You remember what you learned here because somewhere down the road, somebody's gonna try to steal it from you. Somebody's gonna tell you that what you've heard from me in, in this room and your leaders is not true. And that is a life in the pit of hell. We work hard in this room to make sure we're sharing truth with you guys. That I promise you. Are we perfect? No. But do we work hard at getting it right? Yes. Beware of false teachers. Trust God's good timing. Seventy years, seventy years later, King Cyrus allowed the Israelites, by God's prompting, to go back to Jerusalem. Came true. Fulfilled prophecy in the Bible. But here's what I want to ask you guys. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you really believe God's timing is perfect? Because if you do, Galatians 4 says this, but when the time came, God sent his son born of a woman. Jesus Christ was sent at the perfect time for you. God's timing is always perfect. It's not gonna be on my time. It will be on his time. 70 years later, they will return. When we pass away and we stand before God, if we follow Christ, we're gonna go to heaven. The promises God gives us to be filled. Hope in the Lord. That's this thing with Jeremiah 29, 11. And the last one is, and go to your small groups, seek God with all your heart. Do you do that? Think about your day. Because God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. My encouragement to you is to obey, live in the land, to do what you're supposed to do, do what you're supposed to do at high school, obey God's prompting in your life, remember to hope in the Lord, be careful of what you're learning, hope in the Lord, seek him with all your heart. Talk about these things at your group because I really believe, if we believe what Philippians 3.20 says, that this is not our home, that had to be the same conversation the Israelites were having. It's not our home. What do we do? God just told us what to do. It's up to you to obey. Turn to your groups and we'll visit here in just a little bit and close up. Here's what I want, to get, here's what I want you guys to kind of wrap up this whole thought with living as exiles in a foreign land. This is not our home. How are we supposed to behave? Jesus just before, this is in John chapter 17. So this is some of the last words that he says to his disciples. He's praying for them actually is what he's doing. So he's praying for them and in a sense praying for us. And here's what he prayed to God the Father for on behalf of his disciples. This is Jesus, I love how Jesus says this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one while they're in the world. There's a t-shirt line, a clothing line that says not of this world, right? We are supposed to live in this world, but not be of the world. And if we follow what Jeremiah 29 teaches and we live that way, being obedient to him, living in a land, being a light, making a difference, praying for our communities, praying for our leaders, praying for teachers, praying for your parents, praying for those around you, asking God to bless your surroundings, living that way, watching out for false teaching, 
knowing your hope is in the Lord, seeking him with all your heart, you live that way and you won't be of the world. And you'll survive in the world, keeping your faith, building it stronger every day till one day that hope and that future that God has for us, this place called heaven, that we may all hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the desire, that's the hope in the future, in my mind, that God's got for us. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full now, but the hope, the plan, the hope, the future, everything revolves around my relationship with Christ so that I eventually make it to the heaven shore safely. Make sense? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. Thank you for your word. I'm glad, Lord, for verses like Jeremiah 29, 11. Those are good verses, Lord, that you've got in your scripture. But as Christians, we have to know the context of it. And when we understand the context, oh my gosh, Lord, it means so much more to us when we spend time in your word, digging in and learning these things. So these next couple of weeks, Lord, help us to figure out this pattern of maybe a 2020 rule, understanding the context, because the more context we get, the better we know you. And then we just trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.